0: Hope everybody's doing well today. I want to welcome everybody to the Unimpressed Podcast. And today I have an old friend on the podcast, Brett D. Alessandro from Backpacks for Life. It's been about seven, eight years since uh, we did some stuff with Brett. I think he was starting out with his nonprofit then, and I think he's he's moved the needle quite a bit. Uh, so welcome, Brett. The Alessandro to the Unimpressed podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Sean. I appreciate you having me. And literally, when we first started our nonprofit is when I talked to you, and now seven, you know, seven or so, yeah, about seven years. Fast forward, we are talking again.
0: So you've had some success with this backpacks for life. Boy,
1: when we first met you, it was just a thought. It was just something that we wanted to um, continue to do to help out my brothers and sisters in the military. I was in the Marines for. Six years in, you know, just a quick background, six years in the Marines. Um, I was going to University of Rhode Island and I got a call from my gunny, hey, you want to deploy, stop school. I got attached to uh, CLB 6 down in Camp Lejeune, deployed to Afghanistan. I was a, a machine gunner over there, came back home, and, and just really had a hard time integrating back. And, and so I saw that there was a, an actually an abundance of resources. I thought in the beginning, there's really nothing out there, but really going through my own struggles and seeing what was out there. In fact, there's a ton of stuff out there. So why do we have high suicide rates in the veteran community and homelessness? It's really just because of the lack of communication with these resources and the, the veterans and just there's, there's a big gap between them. So Alexa and I wanted to hone in on and and just continue to help our, our brothers and sisters. Because I got back home and I was like, you know, I, 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 I deployed to to help and, and, and serve others. So I wanted to just continue that. And we did, and we did like a little GoFundMe and it was uh, ordered some backpacks, um, which they're like an upgraded toilet paper, literally horrible backpacks. Um, mm-hmm. We literally give them out and they were just like, explode they were that bad <laughs>
0: you said yeah. you were in high school where were you at in we school were, uh, before you got went full military how old were you I was
1: I 18 18 when I joined um, I went to boot camp in August I was going to Verona High school um, okay so I actually was about to go play baseball and my parents thought I was gonna go play baseball and they got a letter I actually didn't tell them that I joined to got a letter in the military I'm uh, in the the mail um, congratulated them that their son was going to be a Marine, and they were very confused about that.
0: <laughs> so your parents thought you were going to play baseball in college or something, and you changed it up and went into the military.
1: Yes, yes. Um, that was an interesting conversation.
0: What made you make that switch at that time of your life uh, where you wanted to decide to go to the military? There was a couple
1: different things. Um, one, my grandfather served in the military, and he was just Somebody I really looked up to. He was in the, the Marines for 20-something years, two Purple Hearts, World War II veteran, like just a very honorable person. I wanted to be like that. Um, I also love to help others, and uh, I wanted to try something new. I definitely wanted to, to
0: push myself and see how far I can go. How much time after you got the letter did you go in?
1: That was um, towards the end of the, the school year, and then had the, the summer to, to enjoy myself and, and get myself prepared. August sixteenth is when I went to boot camp. I remember when I got there and got on those yellow footprints, and I was like, "Man, I should have listened
0: to my parents." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was a little bit of a shock to the system, I would imagine.
1: I had a couple of friends like, "Oh, I was so pumped!" I'm like, "I call BS." When you get on those yellow footprints, everybody's like, "Man, I wish I didn't do this." There's no no person in the right minds like, "Oh, I'm excited for this." You you get there and you're like, but no. I, after a while, you're like, no, I, I you, you come to love it, but. Nobody in the beginning really won. You know, they all kind of have second thoughts.
0: How much time was it before you were deployed after training?
1: So I did the reserve route. I went in, um, did basic and did my uh, Marine combat training, did my uh, military occupation station training and my MOS training. And then I went to school. I went to University of Rhode Island and I was stationed up at a reserve unit in uh, Newport, Rhode Island. And that's where I, uh, sophomore year, so a little little throwback right now my sophomore year is when i stopped school to uh get attached to an active du- duty unit to deploy to afghanistan
0: and at that time what conflict was going on in Af- afghanistan
1: that was oef um operation during freedom um we were so i was there in 2012 it was okay. during the retrograde phase so we were basically um we were at camp leatherneck which was like a main base, and. Um, Southwest Helmand province of Afghanistan. And so we went to a, we would go out and uh, it was a motor, motor transportation unit. I was a, a gunner overseas and we would go out to all these little, little bases called FOBs forward uh, forward operating bases. And we would either give them over to the Afghan army or we would take back all of the, the equipment and just basically de- destroy it afterwards.
0: And how long were you over there total time? A little over seven months, seven months. So you're still 18 still 18,
1: 19. No. So yeah, I got in, I think I was just around twenty one at the time,
0: yeah, yeah,, I, yeah
1: I had my twenty first birthday at uh, um in California at twenty nine palms.
0: You developed these friendships when you joined the army and some things happen and kind of led to you where we're at now. I mean, do you feel like speaking about any of the circumstances that happened while you were there? Or?
1: it was it was a rough deployment. I mean, we like a magnet, we attract ieds. you know we're we're in big machines, driving everywhere throughout the desert. so, it just—it's nature of the beast. Um, we did have a couple, couple of Marines die over overseas, and, and came back home. Continued to have that that issue: suicide, drugs, and alcohol. A wall. It, it really affected a lot of my my brothers and sisters and um, definitely definitely affected me. It's high level situation. You don't really have time to react. And then when you come home is when you can actually get to have, you not get to, but you, you're kind of forced to deal with these, these issues that are really plaguing you over there and mm-hmm. it, it hard um and then especially i mean we just saw our brothers and sisters suicide like i said a was they were dropping like flies and and um i was definitely going through a lot of this anxiety and, and depression myself i got lucky i just really stumbled upon a couple of resources and people that helped me out i wasn't really seeking help i, I thought that if you s- if you were seeking help, you were just kind of a weak minded Marine. I mean, we should be able to handle that ourselves. We Mm shouldn't
0: ask
1: for help, which in fact was the total opposite of, of being, um, of just, I guess being self-sufficient, you know, you you, ask for help is a sign of strength. It's not a sign of weakness. It's like, you know, going to somebody and they're like, oh, I'm going to college. And you're like, oh, you're weak. Why do you have to go to college? Shouldn't you be smart already? It's like, no, you, you seek these resources to gain that experience, um, not only just to help yourself, but, you know, your mental self, but your physical self as well.
0: I talk about this stuff today as... Is- about technology and how you don't utilize your senses enough and I know that you're a little you know you're a little older than say my daughter but I think there's this age range of 15 to 25 and this technology era where people are making all these decisions on their technology right and there's not a lot of emotion there so if you're a young adult and you go over and you're strapped into this type of situation I would imagine that if you haven't experienced any emotions, like that. And like I said, you're older. I couldn't imagine that age range doing that now because I think if you don't utilize your senses properly, you know, it's almost like a shock to the system.
1: No, it's it's 100% correct. And that's the thing like, yes, you know, we, we went through a a horrific experience, or a couple of horrific experiences, but it, it definitely could have been worse. I, I've had a lot of buddies that that deployed to Iraq, Afghanistan, or just a combat zone, and went through some serious stuff. You know, things are like, whoa, oh, that's a lot more high caliber than than I went through. But you're right, I was 21. I didn't. These emotions were very um, foreign to me. I, I didn't know what they were. I didn't know how to handle them. They they trained us to deploy to the Afghanistan. They didn't tra- train us to um, decompress and how do we get back to a normal living style. Um, So that's what really hit me. Um, That's what I was just really confused on. I, you know, I was really trained to not seek help um and i really wish that they're like hey it's okay to go to therapy you know some people think like oh you go to therapies when you have an issue it's like no you should go to the vet center before you have a, a, an issue it's preventative measures because everybody's going to have an issue in their life everybody's going to go through something and you know it'd be nice to maybe get trained beforehand so when that happens you're able to deal with it you know i've and people are like, oh, I go to marriage counseling. Oh, and people, you know, instantly say something wrong. It's like, no, it's like we, we go there to prevent something wrong from happening.
0: You would think they would, they would somewhat sometimes think ahead of the curve, give you some anticipation of about what you're going to go through. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know how you handle it either way, but it, maybe anticipation helps a little bit, you know?
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, the motto of the Marines, we should, really anticipate any kind of wrench that's thrown at us. And, and this is something where it's like, it's confusing. It's like, you know, we should, we should be able to educate individuals and, and really focus on that mental performance in a Marine and, and make sure that they're able to combat any situation that comes to them, even if it's, uh, you know, mental health issues. So it's, it's something that we're definitely focused on within our nonprofit. Uh, we've definitely made some noise in, in that, you know, in that area of, of mm-hmm of help but um yeah we're still still um, rolling along
0: even more background about brett i mean brett i met brett in new jersey uh we lived in north caldwell new jersey and he lives in verona You live in the town of verona or is it cedar grove where are you at you're like what town mm-hmm. are you actually in
1: so i born and raised in verona i'm actually over in jersey city now
0: oh okay so now he's in jersey city tell me a little bit about like this journey you know jersey kid gets out has the has some Some dealings, you know, in Afghanistan and didn't know how to deal with that. Because you jumped right into this nonprofit right when you got back, right?
1: Yeah, I would say there's definitely a little overlap. Um, You know, I was still going through struggles and going through different um, mental health programs and and veteran uh, rehabilitation programs and just, you know, nonprofits in general, like going to uh, mindfulness or meditation programs. So I was going through it and I definitely had this idea. of I wanted to continue to help out my brothers and sisters. I lived out of a backpack in Afghanistan for seven months. It was like a mobile home for veterans or homeless. So I came to this idea of putting supplies, toiletries, and resources in a backpack and giving them out, and you no, know, there's definitely overlap through my journey and also building this nonprofit. But it was, um, it was like my holistic medication. It gave me my sense of purpose. Um, in in my direction on what I wanted to do with my life. So from there, we just kind of really built upon it. You know, we had organization. That's how we first you know met with you. Did that fantastic yeah. um food kind of philanthropy give back series yeah. it was really cool. That was like the first kind of like wow. We had like like a hundred or so backpacks donated to us. Um, I think yeah. we had at like eleven thousand backpacks given out. Um, wow. but yeah, that was like really the the start. I mean. you and all these amazing groups really helped us out um it's actually something i love one of the big part of of you know what i mean yes i love helping people out but the community in the nonprofit world is like nothing
0: else when you started this thing you were somewhat healing yourself as you're going through this process and was there like a specific moment where you said, let's do this uh, with you and Alex and, and you know, we were, what brought this to light completely? Like what was the aha moment? Let's do this and then go.
1: So I, I wish I, I could say that I wanted to do it for myself, but just being honest in the beginning, I, I, I hated seeing my family and Alexa and, and all my friends suffer and, and just kind of hopeless because they didn't know what else to do. And I hated that, that these people were really just walking around in eggshells and just sad because of of me. In the beginning, originally did it for others and then come to find out that if I really wanted to heal myself and move on, I need to to do it for myself.
0: What has developed, you know, with this nonprofit? Like what is your functionality? I know you get into these things. It's like my business. Sometimes you kind of, you try different things. Is there a full functionality and process you have yearly now?
1: Sounds like a, like a smorgasbord of of things, but it's really, we want to make sure our veterans have the. Uh, proper programs, uh, tools, and equipment to help themselves prosper. But we also, you know, because the veteran community is like one percent of the U.S. population, we want to um, we want to make sure that if we're really going to help out the veteran community, we got to get outside that veteran bubble and let other people, you know, especially civilians, know what's happening in the veteran space. So it's very much educational, but it's really connecting. You know, again, we saw that there's a gap between veteran and resources. There's like literally 40,000 veteran service organizations. We had thousands of, of for-profit companies helping back and giving back to the veteran community. And um, there's actually a really good array of, of government programs. So we wanted to make be the connector, um, but yeah, we, Our first main pillar or approach is distribution of backpacks. And after giving out backpacks and working with thousands of homeless veterans throughout the country, we saw exactly what they needed in order to survive, but most importantly, get off the streets. So we developed a, um, we actually developed two backpacks. Uh, we finally got the, the patent for one of them, but it's a, a little IsoMat mat built in the backpack. They could pop out, lay on the ground, to prevent hypothermia. That was a big issue on the streets. Another one was getting their stuff sewn. I mean, imagine if you came home and your house was just gone, you know, how mm-hmm. much, how long that would take to get everything back. So this backpack is their mobile home. Um, it has all their their records, military records, their social security cards, and that stuff takes a lot of energy and time to get. And so we actually had a, it's like a sea bag style backpack, and we mm-hmm. wanted to take away the zipper because sometimes zippers bust and it becomes like inoperable. So it's a sea bag style, and then the, we actually had a drawstring that comes out, and it's an aircraft carrier cable, so you can't cut it, and they can lock that to their bedpost, prevent somebody from stealing the backpack, reflect the material built in the backpack. Uh, just I mean, so many features, a little whistle. Clip by the sternum clips, all these really cool features, and that's kind of the first approach is giving these backpacks out. We've given out about eleven thousand in twenty six seven states, and and so that's the first approach. The second approach is if veterans need additional help, I'll literally sit down with them and, and, and coach them. Now, if they're outside the tri state area, like I had um a vet from florida connect to us Uh, the va will down there will send vets up up here to us well you know um, not physically but tell them to give us a call and if Mm -hmm. they're down there I might not know exactly resources in their area, but I can let them know how to find these resources, um, some tools and and tricks to get connected to groups, and then obviously let them know about national resources as well. But yeah, I'll literally, you know, if they're homeless, I'll drive over to them. Maybe it's a police officer or just an amazing individual call us and let us know about a homeless person. I'll go out there, sit down with them. We'll go get some food and just hang out and talk, and and I'll literally let them know what's, what's out there and then obviously give them a backpack. So that's our, our second program. And, and to really add on to that second program, we actually created a search platform called roger.vet. So R O G E R V E T, And it's a search platform for the New Jersey veteran community. And we have hundreds of vetted resources on there. And again, going back to like, how do we get vets to connect the resources? And on there, vets can actually say what their income is, because some groups are, are, their qualifying factors are income, demographics, mm-hmm. What's your zip code? Are you an honorable, dishonorable discharge veteran? Um, Are you looking for housing, homelessness, um, groups in the, you know, if something that's a a factor to the LGBTQ community. Um, So all these things are on Roger and you can actually toggle in real time. They'll show you resources on Roger. Um, So that was a really cool thing. It took us years and, expertise from all different kinds of people to create this search platform and there's like oh i mean we have like literally um a bot chat, a chat bot on there or mm-hmm. Literally type in there in real time, it'll text to me and a couple other veterans on there. So we can actually help that veteran in real time if they're looking for resources or just somebody to talk to. So it's, it's yeah. a really comprehensive um, search platform that we created. So that's kind of the two main programs. And then our, our third program is we. It, this is where we just kind of coined it the, you know, whatever we can think of next, um, you know, programs. Yeah. It's our, our, our smorgasbord of, of things. And that's where if vets need a car, we'll get them a car. If they need repairs to the roof, we'll get them that. So resumes, uh, job placement, those are the things that will work on that, that third pillar.
0: Well it's funny you talk about this stuff we I just launched a, a new comedy tour um Andrew Khan and this this lady her real name's Robin Johnson um but she goes by Robin Phoenix and she was a <clears throat> she was a tw- she's a 26 year vet and she has something called H- hilarious where she goes into VAs uh, and and so forth and does comedy and has this comedy training I definitely need to link you two up. I mean, she worked, she was a special assistant for, she had five deployments and she was special assistant to Dempsey uh, for 18 months, uh, worked at the Pentagon for several years. I definitely need to link you two together, but it's, uh, she talks about the the, the challenges in the, you know, the VA world, you know, um, she said there's a lot of challenges. So it looks like you have done a lot since we talked last i mean how much how much do one of those backpacks cost they seem pretty pretty high level uh stuff now compared to where you were
1: yeah so going down to the textile expo in atlanta georgia traveling all around the u.s and really learning what it uh, what it what it takes to manufacture a product because we you know we manufacture these we actually had a Spot in Boone, North Carolina. It's around forty something dollars for us to manufacture, and we we sell it online for just double double the cost. And we, we sell it because we're giving out these backpacks, and people are like, "Oh, like I love this backpack." And I I, I thought to Alexa, and this was around uh, COVID, you know, 2020 when you know COVID uh, started to become really uh, relevant. Um, and I was like, you know, we're grants have kind of just disappeared. People weren't mm-hmm. really giving or donating too much. So I was like Alexa, like we we need to create. A, we have this product and sell it to create a revenue stream for our nonprofit. plus it's like uh, brand ambassadors wearing the backpack and promoting um, our, our message so we, we started to you know like hey let's let's sell these backpacks use the funds to get a backpack to a veteran so like a one for one model so about 80 something dollars I think on, on our website so they're live and we have the Bowery Pack which is the bigger backpack and then we have a smaller backpack for vets who are like transitioning or homeless but need, need a backpack so both of
0: those are on our website. They really don't want a place to live. They want to live on the street. I mean, have you experienced that?
1: I would say seven out of 10 veterans that we work with are, are that veteran that you described. So my example through my life, it took me a couple of rehabs to I went to um, for for alcohol. I went to a rehab. So some of these veterans, they've went through a really traumatic experience. And you know, you look at like almost like cognitive diffusion. They they can't be in that house because of maybe something happened. They can't be in enclosed walls. They have to be outside. They have to be in a tent. And again, this is where people think like, in order to be happy or to, to feel that self worth, you, you need to fit the narratives of society. I I feel like I, I just these vets. You know, sometimes they're, they're not ready or sometimes that's where they really feel comfortable and they're okay with living out there. And, and, and maybe they live at a campsite, but um, yes, it's not the, the life that I would choose, but we have to respect that. And and I want to make sure these veterans know what's out there. And when they're ready, I'm here to to make sure that they get the help they needed, uh, need and, and deserve. But you can't really force something. I mean, that's the beauty about America. You know, we we can all think and act how we want. So a lot of these vets, you know, they're they're not ready, unfortunately. And I'm not going to say, well, oh, if you're not going to work with me, then screw you. You know, live on the streets. I say, hey, here's some resources here's some food and water, you know, call Mm -hmm. me if you want to just talk, but, you know i'm here when you're ready and you know sometimes they're not ready or sometimes they actually want to live out there
0: and there wasn't any type of program like this because it's kind of uh, it's a very niche thing i mean to have that mindset that you know talking about this mentality and having that mindset to develop a program with backpacks you know it really kind of plugs into what's needed was there anything else out there uh like this before you started
1: there's so people always you know always use a backpack as a carrier, but um, they're drawstring backpacks. They weren't really something. It was just, uh, you know, $5 and below backpack things that, you know, I really wanted to give them equipment that's going to last. We had one of my buddies, he went to, um, went to the Philippines and had a mudslide fall on the backpack because I had him testing it out. Like, you know, before we, we gave out these backpacks, I had a bunch of friends testing them out and he had a mudslide fall on the backpack and he had to dig it out. Took him like 20 minutes and he washed it off and it was still good to go. You know, I wanted to get veterans that backpack. something that's going to last like a month. I didn't want to get them a little um, soap bottle from Hotel. I wanted to get them equipment that is going to really help them and and get them off the streets, but also potentially save their life, like the IsoMat that's built into the backpack.
0: Through this journey, what what kind of people have you met? Like on the business side, the
1: coolest of people. I mean, Damon John from Shark Tank met him in Chicago. I went to like it was called Bunker Labs. It's a nonprofit for veteran entrepreneurs. It's a national group, Um, and we went to this event in Chicago, and I just. These two guys were talking. I ran up to this one guy and started pitching to him. And he was like, the, it wasn't, he was high up there. I'm butchering it, but it was like something like Secretary of State. And I was just like, hey, man, like talking to a backpack, totally cut them off. And it was just like pitching the backpack, no shame at all. But the coolest people that I have met are probably the homeless vets that I've worked with. I mean, their stories. Um, this one guy, he, he had this little, um, lighter and we'd open up and you light it It showed the twin towers blowing up and he mm-hmm. stole it, not stole it, but he took it off of one of the, I don't know if it was Al Qaeda or our Taliban, but took it off of one of those guys I had in the jail. He's like, I keep this to remind me of, you know, where I came from and my brothers and sisters that didn't make it back. So the, these stories that I've, I've heard from the individuals that we worked with on the streets are just, they're, I mean, they're, they're the ones who are, were writing the history books about. Out. So, yeah, just amazing stories and and really motivate me to continue uh, to do what I'm doing.
0: What's your goals? You and Alex's goals the next couple of years? What are you What are you trying to achieve? And where are you trying to take your nonprofit?
1: So it's. It's funny you ask that because we've we've had a couple people ask that recently. I think after the you know the past seven years, we're kind of at where we want to be. I mean, we developed this backpack that took years. Created this search platform that took years. We actually during COVID um, we had a factory in Piscataway, New Jersey. We started mass producing surgical masks and isolation gowns for all the veteran homes because the veteran homes in New Jersey were getting obliterated. So we started to make hundreds of thousands of um, isolation gowns for all the nurses and doctors, um, surgical masks. We actually worked the FDA to get them approved and um, we had them get tested out. So we were like mass producing all this stuff. And that took up a lot of time. Um, we actually just recently purchased a van uh, to help with logistics for our nonprofit. So I think really right now, you don't want to, you know, we don't want to keep going too much farther. I think what we have now, we want to fine tune it. Make Build sure it out. Yeah. Just like me, you know, fine tune everything and then grow after we, you know, we get the, the dust to settle. I think we've been running so fast right now that I, I just don't want to trip. I think we're in a very good spot. We actually um, recently partnered with the New Jersey Reentry Corporation, which is run by former uh, former Governor McGreevy. And, and with the Reentry Corporation, NJRC, and Backpacks for Life, we actually got state funding or the, they got state funding. We're helping them with it. We're on their, their veteran task force. But any veterans, and this is where I saw a big issue and what we're working on is, okay, again, you know the lack of resources, but who are those veterans committed suicide? there are veterans that are other than honorable. And these are vets that are like I they smoked weed when they got got um you know back from their fifth deployment to Afghanistan because they were so banged up and you know a lot of people in the military encourage drinking, but you know, they shun if somebody tries to maybe smoke something instead of going the pharmaceutical route and getting inundated with pharmaceutical medic medications that are horrible. So this vet smokes weed and he gets kicked out of the military. And uh, okay, yes, you know, you did something that you're not supposed to, but Are we really going to exile them from mental health resources? The VA. It's like maybe take away something, but don't just take away these these services. And that's why most likely this vet smoked is to have, you know, relieve of anxiety. So what I'm getting as we actually, vets who are other than audible are fully incarcerated. These are the vets that are homeless and commit suicides. We actually um, are now any vets that are in those categories. We can get them mental health services and we can get them to drug and alcohol rehab for free. So that was like a huge, like, I mean, the first time ever we're, we're doing this in the state of New Jersey. So that's a really big endeavor. And that's kind of what I'm focusing on. But again, really, We want to make sure the dust settles. We had this amazing search platform, these amazing backpacks. And now this this initiative, so we're really just going to hone in and, and uh, make sure we can uh, focus on, on these objectives right now before we go any further.
0: So if you smoke a little of weed and, and you get caught in the military, the system works against them to some extent, I guess.
1: They will destroy you. And that's where it's like, you know, I came home and I got addicted to alcohol and I was addicted to some of these, these drugs that they gave me. I mean, I was 21. And I was like, oh, well, it's a doctor. You know, instead of saying, hey, why don't you go and do a recreational group or, or fly dieting or mindfulness or some kind of meditation or something holistic they're like no take uh, all these medications it was like i don't right off the bat like four or six medications they gave me when they could have just told me you know something else to do and those medications really heightened my anxiety and depression And, and then you know that with alcohol made it 10 times worse but in the marines we Promote drinking. You know, we we have all these people going this pharmaceutical route. And again, I'm not like knocking down the phobo- pharmaceutical industry. Some of these medications are are sometimes needed. They should be short term solutions, not long term. And and so mm-hmm. we. We say that's acceptable, but when a vet literally smoked the joint and did four deployments, got blown up multiple times, has severe back problems, and then you just kick him out. You did the crime, do the time. Yes, but we're going to literally dishonor him and take away everything, like at least like say, hey, let's get you to rehab and um, let's, you know, maybe help with mental health services. So that's kind of what we're really focused on. And I really think a holistic approach towards recovery is is needed. I think that we, not think, I know that we should literally tell vets in these uh, facilities, giving these veterans medication to stop, like try other routes first before you go the pharmaceutical route, like try stuff. What's the harm of, of, you know, getting somebody to go and do a a recreational group with other like-minded veterans or a retreat program for them and their family. It's just, you know, I I keep honing in on the cannabis. I mean, I had a vet, maybe um, vet school, Prior to, what was it, 2011? Um, don't ask someone's mm-hmm. help. Vets were getting kicked out for being gay. Uh, um, vets were getting kicked out for being overweight. So, you know, I just, I'm just using cannabis as an example. But uh, so, mm-hmm. like, you know th- these things, I, I really don't think we should take away their medical benefits just because of these situations. Hero Grown is a CBD company. They give us yeah. free CBD products, and any vets who need CBD products, we, we can give them. And I want to make sure vets who can't afford this medicine can. can can I have access to it? And again, mm-hmm. I'm not pushing like, hey, everybody should smoke weed and this and that. I think it's extremely beneficial on, on the medical side. Um, and that's where, you know, that's my that's stand. I think it's very beneficial for people who, who need it and shouldn't have to go to um, Xanax or, or opioids.
0: Not a lot of light is shined on those things that you see, you know, on a, ma- a big level.
1: It's taboo i mean how many people go out there and go hey I have mental health issues you know it's like something where it's like no shh, put it on the rug don't talk about it don't talk about it but like in fact I you know I, I seek people to to work for us that went through struggles they hey i'm I'm you know when somebody comes to me like hey I'm you know eight months sober I'm like I want you to work for me like that's to go through that struggle is, is one of the hardest things ever and, and to be able to get your I mean you have to do it your, for, for yourself and to see these people that are able to go through that and and see the light you know those are the people that are are extremely talented and, you know, and the people that are dealing with mental health issues are able to uh, finally handle it with a, just like um you know, not, not it's, it's always there, but to be able to handle it in a, in a natural and, and healthy way, like those are the people that are special. Those are the the hard workers and the people that I, I seek to, to work with. So sh- you shouldn't be ashamed with, with dealing with it. So many people deal with it. You know how many times I go to events and I'm like, I'm in recovery and like, you know, out of the crowd of 50, like 10 people come up to me, like one guy like, hey, I'm the CEO of this and yeah, I'm, you know, recovery for 12 years. Like you should see all these people. And, you know, I think we should be mo- more vocal about it. And, and I know it's hard for me to say, cause you know, Hey, so sometimes it might affect their job or, or, you know, so there, there's reasons. And I totally get it. I'm not saying everybody should just run out there and tell everybody their, their whole life history, but we, we need to stop making people feel ashamed of, of, you know, where they came from and, and the, the struggles that they're going through.
0: Well, I, I had a psychologist on the show, And she said that 20% of the population has mental illness that are able to function normally. I think the pandemic kind of shined a light on that 20%. Have you seen an uptick in in cases, um, you know, after the pandemic,
1: I I can't even wrap my head around the amount of suicides, people now using drugs and alcohol, people's kids that are extremely behind in school and learning in general. Their social skills are completely shot like I, I can't even explain how insane it has been these past years of what had has done to people like i thought it would take a little more time to have that impact on a person but it's been it was tough i mean i was in a lot of these nonprofits they had a furlough a lot of their employees they goodness we didn't have to use money to for overhead we really didn't have any overhead you know i'm speaking to you right now this is our our studio our hq and you know, yeah. our, our consultant area, you know, this is our second bedroom. So uh because of that, thankfully we we picked up a lot of the slack and we're driving vets to appointments. I mean groups are like, Oh, we, we can't drive this vet to an employment for housing. Um, so I'm like, well, what are you gonna do? Like, oh we gotta wait till the pandemic's over with I'm like like he's on the street. Like I think we're looking at our financial audit raised uh two and a half million dollars and I have a full time job working in the docks. I've been taking a penny from the nonprofit and be able to raise that amount of money and help thousands of vets i mean i I've had vets call me all the time. I had a person from the VA call me, hey, I'm, re- I'm sitting with this veteran right now. Um, you know, can we, can you, uh, I need some help with him and I'm able to really help these vets. I know the system inside and out now. I've literally memorized every single process in New Jersey. So I'm, uh, I'm fortunate that I have the ability to be that shoulder for a veteran. It's the most powerful thing in the world to be able to be there for somebody that just has given up and, and give them the hope. It's 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 really, it's really fucking cool.
0: What is, what's your main website? BackpacksforLife.org. Backpacksforlife.org. Yep. So if you know anybody out there that relate or needs anything in this space and that um, me and Brett talked about today, check him out. Uh, check out that website. Brett D. Alessandro from Backpacks for Life. My name's John Edmonds Cosma. I'm the CEO of Bang Productions.
2: Planning for your next trip?